Good morning. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like to think of it as just a little while back, but it was actually 23 summers ago I was chosen to be a summer music intern at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. I felt so fortunate to be there, but I also felt like I really didn't deserve to be there. All the other interns had more experience and they worked in big important churches, but I decided to at least act like I knew what I was doing and I got up to speed pretty quick. A couple of the interns had PhDs and doctorates in music and one worked at a really famous church in New York City. I didn't have a doctorate and worked in a little beach parish in the OC. A bit of a gap in our levels of experience. And every day I rode the tube, London subway, from my tiny room in a dump of a Piccadilly hotel to one of the most famous churches in the world. In about 20 minutes, I went from surroundings that were close to poverty to a place of priceless architecture and to a pipe organ worth millions of dollars that I got to play. And every time the tube stopped at a station, the doors would open and a recorded woman's voice would say, please mind the gap. It took reading the words from St. Luke this week before I ever noticed the irony of my rich and poor stations in life during that London summer. There's another gap that I notice quite often. When I get in my car and my phone or something else I really need is in my hand, it often instantly vanishes between the seat and the center console. It's not big enough to get my hand in to retrieve it, but it's definitely big enough to swallow up just about anything brave enough to pass over it. I'm sure I spend more time being irritated about lost objects in there than I do in being thankful for the fact that I have a car to get me to a job. That gap by the seat seems pretty big, but the gap caused by those with cars and jobs and those without any transportation at all is much bigger. Now, if you're anything like me, you might feel like the story from St. Luke is hitting a little close to home. After all, I live in Orange County. I have a condo, a car, a job, a laptop, which ironically I wrote this sermon on. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. So I thought yesterday, maybe a sermon on USC football would be easier. <laughs> Except they lost to Washington, so we'll stick with St. Luke. Here's the question I have for myself. Am I that rich man in the story? The one who lives in luxury while the poor sick man Lazarus lives outside the city gates, getting by on scraps. Both he and the rich man die, 
and what happens? The rich man is cast into agony and the poor man relaxes with Father Abraham. There is an immense gap between these men in life and in death. In life, the rich man came to the city gate and it likely ruined his mourning to see this poor man lying there, covered with sores. He wished he would just go away and find somewhere else to lie. The rich man did nothing to ease the life of the poor on earth, and so he was destined to uncover his own hell when he died. Albert Schweitzer was a New Testament scholar, a physician, and a concert organist. But he left Europe and high-class society to live among the people of Africa when he realized the huge gap between the standard of living in Europe and the endless need for help in colonial Africa. He credits our parable this morning with opening his eyes to serve those who were in such great need. And I credit the people of St. Wilfred's Episcopal Church for Beach City's interfaith services that is run out of here and which provides real help to people with real needs. Charles Dickens was deeply affected by this parable where the rich man begs Father Abraham to send warning to his five brothers that they should change their ways and not, not wind up being tormented after death. So Jacob Marley, in A Christmas Carol, comes back from the grave to warn Scrooge. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The question that we must address is, will these words of Jesus change our lives in great enough ways that we can arrive at the realization that being charitable and merciful to others is what our lives are really to be about. Let's all go to seminary for just a second to remember that a parable is not some great teaching on theology. It's a story not a heavenly policy or some grand prediction from on high. Jesus loves to tell them to get us rattled and wake us up to something that really matters. He didn't say that if you have wealth, you'll go to hell, but he knew how demonic money could be, and he saw it as another kind of God capable of inspiring great devotion. Instead of the usual red letter edition of the Bible, which supposedly displays quotes of Jesus, how about we print a green letter edition where all the teachings about money stand out? Jesus talked about money more than love, more than life, and more than sex. He knew just how easily money can corrupt, how easily it can seduce, and be raised up to a place equal in our hearts to our love of God and God's commandment to love one another as I have loved you. 
instead of thinking of yourself as our main characters in the story, try something else. Remember the brothers at the end of the story? The rich man realizes that it is too late to save himself, so he begs to have word sent to his brothers to repent, so they won't wind up in the same predicament in which he finds himself. We have been sent a warning that the gap is too wide to solve with just money. It is the charity of our hearts that brings healing to those in need. It is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that enables us to forgive one another. And it is the light of Jesus Christ in our lives that carries us past that gate and into paradise. Let that light into your life. Close the gap of selfishness and bitterness. Open the gate of forgiveness and find out who really loves you. Amen.